You're listening to Man Meat Barbecue, the podcast, with your host, Mikey K. Our sponsors are Manbecue and Myron Mix and Smokers. If you don't know who Manbecue is, you better check it out. They're one of the coolest things in barbecue around. We do a meetup on the last Thursday of every single month. Let us take over your backyard. Let's see how much fun we can have. Looking for a new cooker? Look no further than the American-made Myron Mix and Smokers. Maybe you're a backyard enthusiast. Maybe you're a restaurant owner. Maybe you're looking to get into the catering game. They can accommodate it all. So make sure you go over to MyronMixAndSmokers.com and check out your next rig. And when you email them, tell them Mikey from Man Meat Barbecue sent you. So let's not waste any more time and let's get into this fucking podcast. To North Carolina, where uh, we are going to chat with the owner and pitmaster of Swing and Swine Barbecue. Um, South Carolina. South Carolina. See, I mess shit up all the time. What, okay. is, what is wrong with me? So we're in South Carolina. My bad. It's that Southern hospitality. That's why he's not mad at us, because Southern hospitality goes a long way. If you've never checked out his stuff, man, you got to go. You got you gotta go to go to the uh, Instagram, check his stuff out. It is, it is fantastic, uh, Anthony. I want to say thank you so much for coming on our podcast and hanging out with us. Can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, Swig and Swine Barbecue, four locations in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, one downtown, one in West Ashley, one in Mount Pleasant, and one in Somerville, South Carolina. So we have a uh, a nice little triangle around the middle of it, too. So um, it's all wood barbecue. Uh, you know, cook. It, it's all passion. It's cooking is all I've ever done. And, uh, you know, I just like to make people happy with food. And, you know, no better way to do it than with barbecue. I mean, I, is there any food that makes people happier? No. Exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't think of another answer. Uh, <laughs> so, man, what uh, – what are you guys cooking on at the restaurant right now? Well, we cook on a bunch of stuff. So I, I run um, JR Oilers. Uh, we run uh, Lang 108s. And we run BQ Grills. Okay. Now, BQ, that's the one I'm not quite familiar with. Can you ex- – what um... – Elm City, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, by a guy named Melvin Whitman builds them. Um, it's a flat grill uh, powered with coal underneath. Okay. So, Basically, originally designed for uh, whole hog cooking. Okay. Uh, but those, they'll, they'll cook anything. They're beautiful pieces of machinery. So, now, um, God, whoa, my brain just kind of went crazy. I'm looking at your Instagram as, a, as we're doing this, and I, I'm, I'm lost in, in food coma-ish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I, ever since I started following your Instagram, I'm like, dude, barbecue game, strong. So amazing. Now, when you got, when you kind of when you branched from one location to another location and started kind of branching yourself out, what were some of the struggles that you went through? Because I, it's hard enough running one location. If you've never worked in the restaurant industry or been in the restaurant industry, running one location is usually hard enough. When you start opening numerous locations, it gets even harder. Are you ready for this, though? Yeah. Four in five years. Okay, so he's slightly temporarily insane (laughs) and they're all full service oh so he's completely insane never mind the temporary is not there anymore he's completely insane (laughs) with full bar 
Oh, dude, you guys are rock stars. But it's, um, you know, the, the hardest thing was uh, for me personally, um, and, and I still work on it day to day. I'm in that mode now where um, I work more on the business than in the business. Yep. And, um, as somebody that's been in the trenches their whole life, that's probably my biggest adjustment right now. Um, it, just it, trying to be in four places at the same time. Um, what we've done is we, when we opened our most recent uh, location, the one in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, which is about the location is probably 25 to 30 minutes outside of Charleston. Um, we, we had enough space to build a kitchen big enough to handle all of our catering as well. So what we've done is we've turned that location into almost a commissary operation. So okay. all the locations uh, have their own smokers and they smoke their own meats. Um, but we run everything else out of this one commissary location. So all of our sauces and pickles and the Mornay that we use for the mac and cheese, the beans, the Brunswick stew, everything's built in Mount Pleasant and shipped out to the store six days a week. I mean, that's so that, fantastic. That's me. A couple things, you know, I've, I've improved consistency. I've reduced labor and now I can focus on one store and still touch all the product. And, and then you, and like you said, you've, you've improved consistency because you're not having four different people make the mac and cheese. You're having one, not exactly. one person, but one whole, one place make the mac and cheese and it's all coming out of one place and, and it, yeah. it's branching itself out. And that's amazing. And it gives my guys in the stores more time to focus on the meats. Yep. And, that, and that's one thing we've always prided ourselves in is, you know, more so you, you find a barbecue spot and you fall in love with their meat and their sides are lacking or the sides will blow you away, but yet the meat has a little bit left to be desired. We, we pride ourselves in the fact that when you come into Swig and Swine, we hit on all cylinders across the board, sides and meat. So we pay just as much attention to the sides and the crafting of the sides as we do the meats. And I think it shows in our product. Absolutely. Now, are you guys cooking low and slow or are you guys a little bit hotter and faster? No, we're, we're low and slow. We're, we're cooking brisket at, you know, we run our oilers at about 2.30. Okay. And uh, that's where we cook in the, the brisket at about 2.30. We run the langs at 2.25 and we're, that's where we're cooking ribs. Uh, the BQ grills, we're running at about 2.50 and that's where we're cooking the majority of our wings and turkey and pork belly. Which I mean, especially with those meats, your your uh, your uh, wings, your your pork belly, going a little bit hotter on those, is, it it works a little bit better for that style of meat. It gives it a little. Yeah. I, I think it gives the product a better end result. Right? Yeah. To yes, at least to I, me, I could be crazy, but I'm not as crazy yeah. as you are because yeah. I, I don't know how I could open four restaurants in five years. Um, yeah, that's just insanity. What, what was well, the team we we have a great team and if you if you follow uh our instagram you'll see uh every tuesday is team member tuesday and we like to try to highlight some of our people that that make it all possible so i was gonna say what were when you guys were kind of when you started expanding at that rate which is, is it's a very very crazy and amazing rate that you were able to do that um what was besides like permits and all that stuff and i don't know how how crazy permits are down in down where you are, I know Chicago permits are insanity, and uh, trying to expand that quickly, it almost almost like the city basically 
like kills your expansion because they're like, mm, we're not going to give you that many permits. So, yeah. <laughs> but besides, you know, that was, was staffing a very, was staffing kind of a hard issue at first just because you no. need a bigger staff. You know, I think um, establishing ourselves at the first location um, and coming out of the gates the way we did um, with the reviews and, and I think that really helped us move forward. Um, you know, people, especially wait staff. You know, they, they, our original location is 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 steadily busy. Um, we really have no dips in season here. So, you know, everybody was able to look at that as a model and and see that you know we knew what we were doing. We had a good track record, and here we are. We're going to expand. We're going to grow. Come with us. And they had something to look at, and, and I think it made their decisions easy. And I and I think you kind of hit on something really, really nicely there when you said, you know, uh, the wait, the wait staff. You look, they looked at, they had this great model, and you were like, listen, we're busy, we're we're producing money for people, and that's something big in in the you know in the wait industry, in the waiters and wait waitresses industry. They're looking at that and saying, listen, these guys are producing consistent flow. I'm going to make money there. I want to go make money there and I'm going to care about the restaurant. And right. that kind of, Oh, like you said, it overflowed to the other ones. And I think that's, that, that is amazing. Cause that's something that most restaurateurs almost can't say that they have this amazing staff, uh, 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 like, you know, that all the, all the, you know, parts are moving at the same time and everything's well oiled. Well, you know, it's, it's funny to stay on that subject, you know, when we opened the um, the second location about two years ago, um, that's really when it dawned on me. You know, I was so so just in the trenches of the first. I mean, the first location we opened on a shoestring. Um, my two partners and I, you know, we we went in and and you know we fronted some cash and the bank loaned us some cash and you know we took an old car wash and we converted it to a. a uh, ADC barbecue restaurant with a full bar, um, one smoker. Uh, when I first started, um, I had a cot in the back and I would sleep there. I'd go home in between lunch and dinner service and shower and change and come back. And I did that for about six months and it, you know, it, it, it showed in a product cause it, it helped us with consistency right off the bat. But, you know, so fast forward two years, we opened up our, our second location and we were doing the staff training and, you know, I'm sitting there in the room and, and the one thing we did, we, we went around the room and we had everybody tell something about themselves. And this town, Somerville, it's in the outskirts of Charleston. Um, and a lot of people who grow up there don't leave there, you know, that they stay, they make it their home. And a lot of people were talking about the children they have. So I'm coming from a, a, a location with a lot of younger kids that are that are working for us. And now I'm in a, a second location that the people are a little more established and they have families of their own. And then it dawned on me that, you know, no longer am I just doing this to try to provide for myself. But now I'm opening up an avenue for people to provide for their families. Yep. And that's really, you know, I walked out of that meeting with a whole new vision, a whole new mindset. And the weight actually got heavier on my shoulders because, you know, I felt more inclined to make that second location succeed because 
these people were depending on me now too, not just my own family. Yeah, I mean, it almost becomes terrifying in that sense where it's like, okay, not only do I got to pay my mortgage, I'm helping somebody else pay their mortgage, and I want to make sure that their bills are paid. Yeah, it's a whole different, yeah, and you know, so so that second location really took on a whole new... um, mindset for me and really, really changed my approach to the game. And, um, you know, it it was weird. It it was a, you know, it it was a, a, it was an adulting experience. (laughs) (laughs) Which if you work in the back in the kitchen, I mean, not many people get the adulting experience. (laughs) Now, what was the hardest part of you letting go? Because not that you let go completely, because that, that sounds like, yeah, I just walked away from the business and it runs on itself, because it doesn't. I guarantee it doesn't. It, it Like you said, you, you're working more on the business than you are necessarily for the business, in the sense that you're not, um, you may not be cooking every single day, and you, you have all these other responsibilities that you have to do in order to keep the, you know, the wheels greased and everything going, but what was like the hardest part? And when did you kind of realize that you were like, listen, I got to start working on this to make the business grow. Um, that's a good question. The, you know, the second location, I spent a lot of time there in the beginning. And then, um, I guess by spending the amount of time I did in the second location and seeing the way that the first location was still flourishing without me, um, kind of opened my eyes to see that, you know, we had done a good job at training and teaching the people that started with us and that they were able to carry the torch. And um, that all I had to do was continue what I did there with the second location and they would be okay. And it, it, it you know, it took less time uh, because we had systems in place and we had a lot of stuff documented, recipes and all that. And so the second location, um, came along quite, quite quickly. And then I was able to break away and, and bounce back and forth between the two. And then, and then opening the third was and then open the third and we just opened the fourth in December. Oh, how, and how, how's it going? Good, good. It's a, that's the location that's immediately downtown. Um, so the, the week in between Christmas and new year's was busy. Um, the weekends are busy. It's right on the market in Charleston and, okay. uh, the week, the weekend of February fifteenth is a big thing here called uh, the Southeastern Wildlife Expo, and that's like the kickoff to uh, our season. So we'll be extremely busy that week, and then we won't look back until probably the end of next November. Now, is your rest is the restaurant model kind of um, cooked till sold out, or are you kind of able to get consistent barbecue throughout because you got you guys got kind of enough cookers and enough kind of rotation going through it yeah so that's the um the beauty of the the first location we within the first three to four weeks we were able to um keep good records uh keep counts every day and we were able to establish a pretty good par system um so we know you know based on and and the the computer system we use the aloha we you know we can look back on history and see the sales for that day last year and we can forecast and and set our pars accordingly but no, we don't run out. So I've taken, so all I've ever done is cooked. Um, so I've taken all my years of cooking out la carte in, you know, all kinds of restaurants. And, and my, my goal was to transition that, was to mix that with barbecue. So, 
So how do I get that product from the pit to the plate with as little interruption as possible? Um, yeah. So we're constantly cooking all day long. We, we, we cook ribs in three or four different batches throughout the day. We cook turkey in a couple different batches. Uh, brisket and pork butter are really the only thing that we are only able to cook one batch of just because of the, the time. Just cause, yeah, um, I mean, obviously, you, you're cooking a, a pork butt for, I'm guessing, about 10 to 12 hours? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's hard to do about three batches of a day, yeah. you know. <laughs> so that's you know that's where the pars come in, and that's where um, and just portioning at the board, and you know the full service atmosphere. But we're open we're open uh, from eleven o'clock to ten o'clock, seven days a week at all four locations, and um, very very rarely do we run out of product. So we pride ourselves in that. That's awesome, and that 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 is a hard thing to do. That is a hard thing to do. You know what I mean? Um, being able to serve good, consistent product all day long. And that's yeah. something that um, is hard in the barbecue game. It's something that I learned very well from uh, a man named Nestor. Uh, he is the Brooklyn Pit Rat. If you've never heard of him, make sure you guys check him out. A um, little bit of shout-out to, to my boy there. Uh, he's in New York, and he's like, man, he's like, the hard thing is, like, certain cities – are not used to being a sold-out kind of place. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm sure, like, Charleston is becoming that way in the sense that there's so much new blood coming through the city and so many people are moving there and loving the city atmosphere. They want to be able to go out for barbecue at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. They yeah. want that experience. And it's yeah. your job to give it to them. It is. And, and you know, so what, what we've or, – or what I've found personally – with, with our locations, you know, some, somebody might say, well, four locations, you're, you know, you're cannibalizing on yourself. But if you live in Charleston, and, and as long as I have, I've been here for 30 years now, um, if you see the, the way the city has grown, wh what's happening is the, the traffic is getting so bad that, you know, my location in Somerville, 30 minutes outside the city, these people drive an hour and a half every morning into Charleston, an hour and a half home in traffic. So when they get to Somerville, the last thing they want to do is turn around to go back to Charleston. So I have a captive audience. So our, our locations are strategically placed in these neighborhoods where people can hit us on their way home or, you know, we, we've become their hometown spot, even though there's four within driving distance. And I, I think that you're not fully cannibalizing yourself in the sense, like you just said, because you're strategically placing them. Now, if you were placing them to where they were like 15 minutes apart, then I could see that cannibalizing it. But coming from a bigger city like Chicago, I understand that because people don't want to drive once they've already driven. Right. You know what I mean? Once they're home, they're like, well, what's local? What's, yeah. what's close that I can come and go and get? What's going to be a little bit faster? I'm hungry now. I don't want to drive 45 minutes, then wait at a restaurant for another 30 minutes to be seated, and then finally get my food. How do I do it faster? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, from the get-go, you know, we set out to be that, that comfort food place that, you know, the, the you know, I call it blue-collar food. I mean, I want to see you three to four times a week. I don't want to be a destination that you can only afford or you only want to come to you know, once a month or only for special occasions. You want to be, you want those be regulars. You want to know their name. 
Um, yep. I think people forget that those are those are the, the the parts of the restaurant that actually make it move. Is the people that come in and you can say, "Hey, Tom, how are you? How are your kids? How's this? How's that?" And you get to know those people because they're in so often, and they they take care of you. You know what I mean? They're the ones that are are, are paying your. They're technically paying your bills, and then the people I, that come every once in a while. That's you know that's you know t- a little bit of frosting on the cake. But the ones yeah. that are giving you the you know the lifeblood and making sure that you're there every single day. Those are the real important ones. I have the same. I have the same father and son. Um, I opened the original location on a Tuesday. They came in to lunch the first Thursday I was open. They've been back every Thursday for five, almost five years now. And they come in at 12 o'clock every Thursday for lunch. The only Thursday that they've missed, they've missed two Thursdays in in almost five years. But instead of going to that original location, they went to my Somerville location instead to try it out. So did they really miss? Mm. No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But you know that's uh, that's such a cool thing because that's becoming it, it's becoming their Thursday, right? And I yep. and I say that in a sense like it's becoming like a cool thing. It's like, hey, are we doing this? Yeah, absolutely. I'll see you there. And it becomes like a bonding moment, and it and it becomes a memory that that gets engraved. And I'm sure that that son is going to do the same thing with either his son or his daughter. When when he has one, I don't know exactly how old he is or if he's in that age yet. But it's, uh, he's, he's a little bit older. Yeah. Okay, so if, if he does have a family, he may do the same thing. And it, it, it's kind of cool to give you know to see those relationships you know grow and, and flourish. And then the relationship with you guys is fantastic because it, it's a win win for everybody. They're having a great time. They're getting a great product and a great meal. And then they're also they're creating memories in your, in your building. You know what I mean? It, it, it can't, yeah. you, it can't be any happier. I, I can't imagine it being any cooler. No, it's, and you know, we're so well rooted, you know, so one thing, one of our biggest things that we do, we, you know, we give back so much, um, you know, to our local school. So, so my kids are in a, and a local art school is publicly funded. And, uh, my partner, you know, his two, his two young girls, uh, their schools were always reaching out and doing stuff for them. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of what we do. And we realize that in order to, to be, be a consistent part of the community, you have to give back. And that's, that's really been a, another um, reason to our success is, is the relationships that we've built, not only in the restaurant, but outside the restaurant and the schools and the, you know, with the police officers and fire departments and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think that, I think that's super cool. Is being able to give back to people and and being able to spread your love through food, like you said earlier. Um, your passion is to be able to feed people, and I think that's a lot of barbecue guys' passion is is the feeding people. And it it it's such a hard thing to explain to people when it's like, no, you don't understand. I get joy from watching people eat my food. Oh yeah, it fills me up. You know, and that that's yeah. kind of how I am. It fills me up. Like, I could literally eat nothing, but I could watch you eat my brisket and be just the happiest human in the world. So our, our original location, the West Ashley store, the, 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 car, the cutting block is set up to a way where it overlooks the entire restaurant. So from day one, I could sit there and I can see – and we did it that way because when we started, we started very thin with staffing. So 
you could actually run the whole restaurant from the block. <laughs> like, you know, so I, I've learned over the years, you know, to read body language. And I can tell you when, you know, table 23 needs a refill on their tea or, you know, but, but one thing I, I got a lot of from that position is just sending that plate out and watching the reactions and, and seeing the faces and the smiles and, you know, just the immediate gratification is uh, tremendously rewarding. I, I said this on a past podcast. Uh, so I own a catering company and we do, we do pop-ups and we, we do, we do stuff like that. We're hoping to be a brick and mortar someday. Uh, we just don't have the, uh, the funding quite yet, uh, <laughs> yeah. which you understand. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, you know, we're in the process of, of moving, moving towards that. But, um, one of the things we we were just doing, we did a, we did a pop-up on New Year's Eve and one of the guys ordered food from us and he was kind of eating it really slowly, just kind of, you know, I, I was trying to read his body language and I thought I, I completely read him wrong. Don't get me wrong. I completely read him wrong. He was eating it kind of slowly, whatever. And I was like, oh, I don't think he likes it, man. He's not a fan comes back and he's like, okay, so I want another order of this. I want an order of this. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) And I I had no, like, I did not think at all that he was like into it because he was, he, he ordered our pulled pork and he was just kind of eating it really slowly and kind of like, you know, kind of like not eating it like super enthusiastic. And I think he was just, it was just savory moment. Yeah, I guess so. And I just read it wrong. And he came back and yeah. was like, man, I want another two orders of the pulled pork. And I was like, uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's super cool. And it, I think it's kind of cool that you just, how you just said, you know, you could see the whole restaurant from the block. Um, I think that's something that it was kind of done out of necessity, right? But in turn, it turned into like a huge success. I think it's funny how yeah. the, how those two kind of sometimes go hand in hand. Yeah, because we, you know, we have four seats right in front of that block, and and on the weekends, those are the most requested seats in the house. <laughs> Just so they can watch all the meat get sliced and everything get, get, yeah, get well, pushed out. Yeah, well, if you sit in one of those four seats, you get a lot of samples. So. <laughs> that okay? There, there's yeah. there's the real kicker right there. You sit in That's one of those a, four seats, you're getting a, you're getting some love. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you got? Would you say you're doing traditional Carolina style barbecue, or are you kind of a, a melting pot of barbecue? It's kind of a, you know, I guess you'd have to classify us as a melting pot. Um, you know, through my experience as a chef over the years, um, I approached it as just treating each protein the way that I think it needed to be treated. Um, you know, so our, our brisket is salt and pepper. Um, our turkey is salt and pepper. Our pork belly is salt and pepper. Um, we don't do any injections. Um, we don't do any brining. Um, our chicken gets a dry rub. Our ribs get a, a dry rub. Our, um, our wings get a dry rub. But three different dry rubs, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's a melting pot. Uh, we do burn ends. Um, we started doing burn ends and the, you know, I was taking some of the, some of the points off some of the briskets that we were doing, turning those into burn ends. They were selling out every day. Um, I did a little bit of research. I found some burn ends, you know, so apparently, uh, Hormel, um, 
and all these other guys, the, the big commercial guys, have contracts on the cut houses across the country. And all these, you see brisket flats at Sam's, yep. and you always have to wonder what the points are. Well, the points are getting turned into corned beef and pastrami by Cornell and, you know, all those other guys. So I was able to get in on a couple contracts. So now I get, you know, just points delivered to the restaurants too. So we'll take those points. We'll do salt and pepper. We'll put them on the cookers. We'll bring them to one, one or uh, 215 internal. We'll pull them. We'll let them cool overnight. We'll cube them up the next day. We'll dry rub them again, put them back on the langs, and we'll turn them into traditional burn end. So, you know, we have the, the Kansas City style burn ends. The, the brisket is, I guess you could say, Texas style. The turkey is Texas style. Um, the ribs are, you know, St. Louis style, but, you know, just, just a dry rub. So, yeah, a melting pot, but what I think is the best way for each one of those proteins I, to represent I, it. I mean, I love that answer. I really do because I feel like so many people are like, oh, well, we're traditional this, we're traditional that. And I think that's fantastic too because you got to remember the traditions. But I think so many people are wanting that melting pot of barbecue. They want to go to they want to go to one place and try all these things, and they want to like a lot of people are uneducated in that in that sense. You know what I mean? And I and yeah. they say they just don't know. They they're like, oh, I know I like my ribs like this, but I like my brisket, salt and pepper, but they don't know why. And right. I think it's really cool that you take it from a chef's perspective and you say, listen. This is what's best for that cut of meat. And this is what's going to make that cut of meat shine. And I think that's super duper cool because at, at the end of the day, we want to make our product shine the best that it can. And yep. those pieces of meat, we want people to, to fall in love with. Yeah. I mean, and you know, back to, uh, you know, our, our, connection i guess certified angus beef yeah i mean i'm taking i'm taking their prime brisket i mean what else do you need to do to it nothing you Not just much. show it a love with salt and pepper and you know a little bit of a smoke and low and slow over the wood and it's a prime product it's ready to go i mean the marbling on that thing is is unbelievable now what made you go with certified angus beef what what was kind of that tipping point you know uh I didn't start with it. Um, my, my, my sales rep uh, from Cisco Foods uh, brought me a couple samples of it. He's like, look, just, you know, try this. He said, you're going to need to cook it a little bit differently than your other stuff. You know, don't, don't get it too hot. You know, wrap it, let it rest. And, and I did. I, I, you know, I experimented with a few cases and tried different, you know, tried different internal temperatures. I started, you know, the first, the first couple I did, I brought them to like, you know, 200, 205. And then I wasn't real happy with them. So I started backing off that internal temperature and I finally ended up where we are now. So, um, but the, the product itself, and then, you know, at one point in time when I was doing my sampling or my, my trials, the price of, uh, the ordinary brisket was actually above what I was paying for the certified Angus beef prime at the time. So I'm like, well, okay, let's just stick with this. So it gave me, you know, it almost became, it was, it was a great timing because now I had a product that I was paying less money for and I was still experimenting and I was still dialing it in. And um, so we, we came with the pro the process that we have now and we're extremely happy with it. 
So I mean, I think that that that's such a cool story because um, it, it it's really true. Like when you start playing with different kind of briskets, were you, were you just kind of using choice brisket at, at the beginning? Yeah. Okay, so when you start looking at that, um, the marbling's just not not quite as apparent, you know, right. as it is it is through that prime and that you do have to kind of cook it a little different. You got to make sure yep. you don't quite go too high on it, and it cooks a little bit faster. Yes, it does. That's but so this this prime stuff now, you know, I'm taking it to 195 at the seam. Um, you know, we trim a little bit. We don't trim too much. Uh, but the trim I save and I render the trim down. Um, so then we take it to 190. Well, the first thing we do is make sure the bark's developed. That's our first rule. If there's no bark, we don't even bother temping it. So once the bark's developed and we find the seam is at least 195 or north of 195, we'll pull it. Um, we'll wrap it in paper. But before we do, we ladle some of that rendered fat back over top of it. And then we wrap it up and we, we put it back on the, on the smoker for about four hours uh, wrapped at 2.30. And we okay. let it finish the process there. And what, what would you say your pull temperature is, if you can say that? Um, it's probably right at 2.20. Okay. So okay. 195, we're pulling, we're wrapping, putting it back on for four hours. And um, it's probably, it's not quite getting to 2.30. So Okay. Beautiful. I mean, that, that sounds beautiful. That, that brisket just is going to melt in your mouth. It's going to be yeah. pure gold. Um, and, and then you got, uh, your burnt ends just sound like black gold to me. Like I want to just send like a vat of them, <laughs> fill a tub and then send that and I'll eat that. <laughs> I'll eat my weight and burnt ends. Cause those yeah. sound, those sound delicious. And I, I think it's really cool that like what you guys are doing with each meat, like you said, it's, it's such a simplistic way to look at it. Um, and I don't mean simplistic in like a bad, like when people are like, oh, it's simplistic, so it's easy. No, it's not. I, I feel like sometimes you over, people overthink barbecue and sometimes yeah. barbecue restaurants will overthink barbecue. And then it's like, you are, you're kind of fighting yourself at that point. It's like, man, do what's best for the meat. Make sure that the meat shines. Make sure that smoke is a flavor profile and it, it's going to just, it's going to be beautiful for you. Yep. Yep. And, you know, our sauces are on the table. We do five. Um, we do a uh, traditional Carolina mustard. We do a Kansas City style sweet red. We do a uh, Alabama white. And um, we do a North Carolina vinegar. And then we do a, a smoked jalapeno, which we take, you know, 20 pounds of jalapenos, smoke them, puree them, uh, reduce them with some cider vinegar. And then we fold that into some of our sweet red barbecue sauce. So we're just utilizing the same sauce, but just spicing it up a bit. Just just changing a little bit of that that heat profile right there. Yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. And I think that that's one of the things that some people don't do is when you have a good base, you can you can go up or you can go sweet with it. You know what I mean? You can go two different yeah. ways, and and you're still then you're expanding what you're doing, especially when you're in the restaurant industry. You want to be able to use the most product that you possibly can <laughs> cross cross utilization is key to success. Exactly. That, you know what I mean? Like if I can use more product of this and, and then it's just, yeah. I'm buying in more bulk and, and that price starts going down per unit per volume. It makes life a lot easier. Yes, it does. So 
The one, the one thing I want to ask you is, like you said, you kind of do like you almost use one location as a commissary. I think that's a really, really cool thing. Um, a, like you said, it helps keep labor costs down, and it helps keep um, it helps keep product costs kind of even down too, because I'm sure waste has gone down. Yeah. So, what kind of gave you that idea? Um, you know, it was uh, just strict genius. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, no, so you know, so the 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 catering kitchen uh, slash commissary kitchen um, is located in behind our uh, third location. So essentially, we're you know in there cooking product for that third location, and we have the space and we have the uh, the the equipment. And I was just thinking, why not just take that, you know, why not just take that batch of Brunswick stew that we're cooking and put it in the 20 gallon kettle and, you know, do a four times batch. And then we can take and just send it to all four stores. So that's kind of where that came from. I mean, that sounds, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's almost a strike of genius because you, you really are, you're almost, you're, you're going to that next level without overstretching yourself, right? Yes. So I think I think that's I think it's very very cool what you guys did, and I, I think it's a strike of genius. I really do. Um, when you said that, I was like, dude, I should write that down. <laughs> it's just it's very very cool. And now you you also said that that location takes care of all of your catering, also too. Yes. Yeah, so we we send our catering out of that one location. So all of our all of our uh, you know our vehicles are there. Um, yeah, everything happens there. So it's, it's almost the epicenter now. Which is which is super cool because then that does take that takes kind of all the the pressure off the other three locations, right? Yes. If you get a big yes. catering order, it takes that pressure off, and it's not like, hey, you know what? We have to struggle to get this out where we're not, you know, maybe the first you know the first location's kitchen might not be big enough, or it, it may be a stretch to get those catering orders out on top of regular service. Yeah, all, all the above. It was. A very small location that we were catering out of for the past three years, um, and it just—it was very difficult to do it. We did it, you know. The the team, the team that I have, pulled it off every time. But uh, this is a lot more. It's a lot easier, you know. We we have the equipment now. We have the space. We have the refrigeration. Um, so now we're just trying to use it wisely. Now, do you guys do whole hog? Um, so our, our Somerville location did whole hog, um, until we had a fire. And mm. so now we are, uh, back to just doing butts and, uh, everything else up there. So, okay. Yeah. That, that'll, uh, that'll kind of kill it quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I don't know that there's anything worse than hearing like, oh my God, there was a restaurant fire to me. I know that like. It, it is almost heartbreaking to the person who owns that restaurant. It's heartbreaking to the people that work there. It, 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 to, it like to me, just hearing that, it's like, oh my god, strike a bad yeah. luck, and it's just heartbreaking. Well, we're we're still down. We've, we're down seven months now, so uh, it's we're, heartbreaking. We're rebuilding. We're rebuilding as we speak. Um, we're hoping for maybe another two months, and we'll be back open again. Um, but yeah, it was a. That was definitely one of those moments I never want to relive. Um, I had a friend on the Somerville Police Department who was on duty that night, 
and he heard the call come across the radios like two in the morning and he radioed down to Charleston and had them come to my house and knock on my door. And, uh, I ran upstairs and got my son out of bed and him and I jumped in the truck and went up there. And by the time we got there, it was just sticks. So it was, uh, yeah, it was gut wrenching <laughs> to that, say the yeah, least. That's the worst feeling ever. Just the yeah. worst feeling ever. But so, we're rebounding. So yeah. You, I mean, I have faith in you guys. I really do. Um, <laughs> now, what made you guys pick the cookers that you picked? Um, well, the first the first cooker that we started with at the original location was a custom build. Um, it was an offset reverse flow cabinet design um, within the first week. Um, I had called my guys at Gorilla Fabrication here in Charleston and told them I needed another one <laughs> because we were just I, I couldn't keep up with the one we had we had just taken off that quickly. Uh, so they worked they went to work on another offset reverse flow cabinet designed for me, and we put that one in the back. And we ran with those for geez until we were looking to expand to Somerville. And then once we opened, uh, we're looking to expand to Somerville. We knew we wanted to do whole hog up there. That's when I reached out to Melvin Whitman over at BQ Grills, and I bought four of his units to do the whole hog with. And I had the guys from um, Gorilla Fabrication build me a couple more offset reverse flows for Somerville. And, you know, ironically, and this is the funny the funny, not so funny story. The after we opened Somerville, and we went to open the Mount Pleasant location, we went with the Langs only because Gorilla, you know, they were getting busy. They're doing food trucks. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, the Lang 108s is a great unit. Uh, they were a four week, five week turnaround. Uh, they're not far from here, so I was able to go down and pick them up. So we went with those, but we had our first real growth meeting after the third location about potentially opening outside of Charleston. And that was on a Monday, uh, Tuesday, my partner and I were texting back and forth and, you know, we were like, you know, if we're going to move, if we're going to be cooking four hours away from Charleston, there's no way we can cook the way we're cooking now because it's semi dangerous, you know, so we're running fireplaces and using coals and shoveling coals to the BQs. And, you know, we're thinking we need to find something a little more automated, but still all wood. So I started to research the J.R. Oilers out of Mesquite, Texas. Um, that was Wednesday. Thursday, uh, we contacted J.R. Oiler. I got the price on three units, one for each of the existing units. We're going to send off a deposit check to go ahead and order those three. Friday morning at 2 o'clock, the fire happens in Somerville. Ooh. So, you know, it's like we saw the writing on the wall, um, and we were we were making the moves to try to prevent anything. And that's kind of, you know, when things went down. But we still – we got the three, the three Oilers in, and uh, that kind of – that almost shaped – Mount Pleasant the way it is. So we ended up putting putting two of those oilers in Mount Pleasant instead and turning that into our commissary. And we have the third oiler waiting to go into Somerville when it reopens. So Man, that's awesome. My West Ashes store, my West Ashes store still runs the original offset cabinet up front. 
and uh, two laying 108s in the back. That's awesome. See, I, I was looking into a lane because they're a beautiful cooker. Um, the only thing that kills me is they're not insulated. Right. And, and where you are, because what are you, negative 55? Roughly, tomorrow? yeah, rough, roughly, yeah, yeah. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cold. We, we get a yeah. little cold here. So um, <laughs> we, we, we need the insulation. <laughs> yeah. and, and we cook year-round, you know what I mean? It, it's very difficult when yeah. it's cold. And it, wood's expensive. You know what I mean? Wood, you're you're burning through fuel, and if you're burning through something, I mean, it's basically like burning money at that point. If you're oh, yeah. burning more than you actually need to burn, tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir. I know, I know. I, I use know, a lot so, of wood. Yeah. So was that was that another another kind of having that many locations? Was it a little? Was your wood supplier able to handle that, or did you have to? Do you have to have a wood supplier per location? No, I have one guy. Uh, he runs out of Bluffton, South Carolina, uh, Carolina Morning Firewood. Uh, his name's Brandon. Him and I have become very good friends. <laughs> I with, bet with the amount of business that that we do together. Um, no, he's a great guy. Uh, good product, um, and he's always. I get weekly deliveries from him. Um, my West Ashley store probably uses two face cords a week. Uh, Mount Pleasant's probably using five to six face cords a week. Uh, Somerville at one point was using about four to five face cords a week. So, yeah, we moved some wood. Yeah, yeah, you do. Now, what are you guys cooking over? Uh, Red Oak. Red Oak? Yeah. Red Oak's a Red Oak readily available here, and, and it's a, a consistent supply. It's, so. it's, but it gives you a beautiful color too. Yeah. And the coals are hot. Hot yes, coals. They are. Very, yeah. very hot coals. But yeah. it gives beautiful color. I use oak here. Uh, people ask me, like, why don't you go, you know, why don't you use this? Why don't you use cherry? Why don't you use this? I just like the flavor that oak gives me. Yeah. I, I really like the do. subtle flavor. I've never been a big fan of, uh, of smelling the smoke before you taste it. You know, like when you're taking that piece of meat to your mouth and, the first thing you do is you can smell that smoke. That kind of turns me off a little bit because I know what I'm going to taste after that. You know, yeah. I like to be able to taste everything at the same time. And I, I think I think sometimes when you can smell that smoke, sometimes it was it might have been dirty smoke too. Yeah, which is not yeah. pretty. No, you got to be careful. <laughs> you want you want that pretty smoke, that clear smoke, guys. Um, Obviously, we're talking about real, real wood barbecue here. Um, none of the, you know, none of the uh, other stuff. Uh, no gas assist, none of that. Um, if if I'm hearing you correctly, you guys are you guys are using burn barrels, right? Yeah, burn. Yeah, we use the burn barrels for the P, PQ grills. Um, the oilers take, you know, those are stick burners, and the langs are stick burners. Burners, yeah. Uh, man, burn barrels. I mean, that is, that is hardcore barbecue. Um, you are, you are really, you, you're putting in some work. Those, yeah. those things are not for the faint of heart. You're not gonna, you're not gonna sit back, crack a beer and just watch it go. Let's put it that no. way. <laughs> no. You're working. And that's what people don't understand, you know, and, and it's a constant teaching at our places, you know, they throw the wood in the burn barrel and they expect it to just produce coals. Well, you have to be continuously throwing wood into the burn barrel to knock the coals down to the bottom. Otherwise, you're just burning money. 
You all the way, you're just burning all that wood. All the yeah. wood just burns, and then it falls down as ash. Yep. So you got to continuously, like, you know, every 15, 20 minutes be more wood. You know, four or five pieces in, four or five pieces in, just knocking those coals to the bottom. So yep. it's you're, you're constantly moving. There is no downtime. And I, I think uh, – I can't remember exactly who said this, and I can't remember who I was talking to, but um, – and I, and I hate that I can't remember this, but the quote is just so amazing. It's, you know, barbecue pitmasters love you so much that they think about what you're eating for lunch today. They're, they're thinking about what you're eating for lunch tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're starting to prep your food today so that you can have lunch or so you can have dinner tomorrow. Yeah. And I think and that's, that's super powerful. You know, that's the challenge that was our biggest and and i think that was the 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 hook for me um is the challenge you know how do i take how do i take this product that i, I need to cook 16 hours in advance and create an alaminute process you know how do i create this full service straight through lunch and dinner you know same menu 11 to 10 7 days a week how do i do that and and that's you know it's always the numbers game is always uh intrigued me and that's basically what it is it's a numbers game you're you're forecasting you're predicting and um you and know you're hoping it's, it's a challenge it, it definitely is a challenge it definitely definitely is and it it's it's almost fun though oh you know yeah what i mean it, it's, it, it, it's just a fun little game that like any anyone that cooks for a living is slightly sick and twisted it's just what you are you got to be um yeah it, it, <laughs> because anyone that wants to put themselves through this much pain um, you just got to be a little messed up. It's just, it's just what it is. But yep. I don't know that there's any, like, I always say it, man. When I see somebody eat my food, the joy that I get makes those early mornings worth it. Makes those late nights yeah. worth it. You know what I mean? Makes that lack of sleep. When you're, when you're going, like, there's, you know, we do a couple big events. And, I mean, I'll go 36 38 hours straight just to make sure that event goes off without a hook. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. people are like, Oh my God, aren't you exhausted? Yeah, absolutely. I'm exhausted. But was it worth it? Every last minute of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every last just, minute was worth it. You know, the, the looks on their face, you know, and it's, to me, it's, you know, it's, it, it's become, you know, it, there's so much pride involved right now for me personally. I'm, I'm coming up May 27th will be five years. It'll be our five year anniversary. And, um, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes with it. You know, I, I, I look at the, the staff, the team that we've built, the, the people who have been with us since day one. I mean, I have some, some, some professional servers who have left jobs at restaurants, downtown Charleston, because they enjoy working for swig and swine more and they make just as much money and it's just a better quality of life. And the culture that we've managed to build inside the restaurants um, is attracting people. Um, but, you know, just the, you know, just the faces and the, the, the customers and the satisfaction and reading the reviews, the Yelp reviews, the TripAdvisor reviews. I mean, think about it this way. There's, I think to date there is, if you go TripAdvisor Charleston, there's 680 plus restaurants inside city limits swig and swine is number four Whoa. out of six and 80 some restaurants 
Now, we're talking about Charleston, South Carolina, that's considered one of the top restaurant cities in the world right now. It is, yes. And Swig and Swine Barbecue is number four on TripAdvisor. Dude, that's If you would have told me that five years ago, I would have told you you're high. <laughs> uh, you know? I mean, just... What does that have to do with me, anything? <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you would have told me five years ago that we'd be sitting here talking and I'd be talking about four restaurants, you know, I, I couldn't even fathom it. I really couldn't. It just it, I mean, it it's wasn't just even been in the such playing world. No, it wasn't. It, I mean, I was just, it was survival. You know, five years ago today, we weren't even open. It was survival. I wasn't getting a paycheck. You know, I was catering on the side to make whatever money I could. And it was, it was just, just sheer survival, building tabletops, painting chairs, you know, grinding concrete, trying to get that first place open and get some money coming through the door. And here we are talking about four restaurants, talking to you on a podcast about our success. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's still surreal. It really is. I mean, I think it's phenomenal and it, and it comes through, it comes through you, man. It, it comes through the shining, uh, the, the, the love that you have and the passion that you have for what you do because it's there. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it, 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 it didn't, it wasn't easy. You know what I mean? It, it's not easy. It's hard work, but you have that love and that passion to, to push through and to, to make those, make those things happen. And I'm sure you were, when you were, when they were like, let's open another location, you were probably like, Oh my God, this is insane, but let's do it. And, and you ran let's with it, it and, you, and you kept going. Right. And then they're like, let's open yeah. a third location. You're like, this is fucking crazy, but let's keep going. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Now, where do you, where do you kind of, where do you see barbecue going? You know, that's, a, I don't know. You know, I, I think about that all the time, especially over the past six months, because so Charleston, I don't really see a lot of, uh, there hasn't been a real, a whole lot of growth barbecue wise in Charleston. So, um, you know, my buddies over at home team barbecue, um, I think they were open for about seven years before I opened. And, um, before them, it was, a uh, you know, a family by the name of Bessinger, um, who kind of had the barbecue scene on lockdown and then Rodney up in Hemingway, but that was still an hour and, you know, hour and a half outside of Charleston. So it wasn't really considered Charleston. So, you know, home team opened and then we opened and we opened with that full service in the full bar. And, you know, it kind of, I don't want to say it changed the game, but it kind of, it opened some eyes and people saw what we were doing um, then you got Lewis came to town. Um, he opened downtown. Rodney followed him. A uh, home team since has opened three more locations there. Um, they're downtown. They're in Sullivan's Island. And uh, they just opened a location in Aspen, Colorado. And they're about ready to open in our, our state capital of Columbia. Um, and those guys do a phenomenal job. And that's another chef-driven barbecue concept. Um and those guys just they knock it out of the park. And, and you know, so the, the, the barbecue community in Charleston is very tight knit. Um, we all get along. We all call on each other. Um, you'll never hear us talk bad about each other. Um, we, we know that there's it's, it's it's bigger than that. It's bigger than all of us. And we're just fortunate to do what we do. But 
but that's, you know, there, I don't see a whole lot of barbecue growth in Charleston, but I see the rest of the country and, um, there's gotta be a bubble somewhere, you know? And I don't know, I don't know where that is. I mean, it's, I, I, so I've never been to Texas. I've never, I've never traveled. I, you know, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a trench guy. I'm a worker. I'm a blue collar guy. I lived paycheck to paycheck. I still live paycheck to paycheck, but so now I'm starting to be able to travel more and I hope to make it to Texas, uh, this year coming up, um, to see what that's all about. And to, to, I, you know, so speaking about certified Angus beef, I was invited to cook their opening or their uh, opening reception for their conference two years ago in Nashville. And I got to cook with Kent black from blacks in Fort worth. And, um, just a super guy, you know, that guy's, and, he's super great. Oh, his son, Eric was there. And, you know, I, I met them. I met, uh, Joe risky from risky's barbecue. I met, uh, Joe from Joe's barbecue, but all from Texas. And, um, it was just a tremendous experience and, and, uh, we really hit it off. So I'm definitely going to try to make it out to see those guys here soon. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know really how to answer your question, but I don't, there's, it's just very popular right now, but I don't know, you know, I don't know how long that can last. I, well, see, the way that I kind of am looking at it is I, I feel like barbecue is becoming the American cuisine. Yeah. And it's spreading throughout the world where, like, when you, when you start to look at it, what else is America really known for? In, in food-wise, when I mean, we're talking food culture. Um, right. Barbecue, I think, is America's cuisine. I really think that – I think that's a good representation of American cuisine. And I think what what barbecue chefs and barbecue pitmasters are going to start doing is they're going to start doing fusions. I think barbecue fusion is going to be the next big thing. And I could be wrong. Uh, but I just kind of see it. I see people people already playing with what can I do with different smoked meats and make it into something different, and what other what other kind of meats can I put into it to make sure that it's still kind of barbecue and it still has those roots, but it has a next step, like a next elevational step. Right. And I think that's a cool. I think that's a cool cool thing to be a part of and a very cool at you know edge of sword to be on yeah yeah no i i have to agree with you there i think i think some of you crazy chefs are gonna start doing some crazy stuff and i think i think it's i i think it's it's in the nature of i mean i have so many friends that are that are high you know high-end cuisine chefs and they're like man when are you gonna start pushing the boundaries start pushing boundaries he's like because you know if you don't start pushing boundaries you're never gonna move yeah, They're like you got to start pushing boundaries, and I think I think that's what people are going to start doing. Yeah, but you know, so I can tell you that that I will never do that because I pride myself in being that comfort level, and I think that's awesome. I, I pride myself in being the approachable one, you know, and I think that's super cool because if yeah. we don't have our roots and if we don't have people that are going to do what you're doing. Yeah. Then we'll get lost, right? You gotta yeah. have like that roadmap. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have the crazy ones, which you, you you're on that board because you, you opened way too many restaurants way too quickly. And they're all yeah. phenomenally successful and 
And it, it, if I could eat your food through Instagram every day, I would. Believe me. I, I, you know, I see the photos and I'm just like, oh my god, that just looks amazing. And you're you got you're you're doing so many cool things. I just I think I, I think you're really I think you're really really you're still on the cutting edge of that bar, of barbecue. Well, cool. I appreciate it. So, man, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us, chatting barbecue, and doing all that fun stuff. Um, I like to kind of end. I like to kind of end the podcast this way. Um, if you could give yourself three tips, if you could go back to the beginning, give yourself three tips from what you know now. What would those three tips be to help shorten your learning curve? Hmm. Three <laughs> tips. Three tips. Three tips. Um, don't rush the process. Have more patience. Don't read reviews. I think, um, you know, I, I, and I, I teach this. Well, I don't teach this. I talk to my staff about this all the time because my staff, you know, I have to explain to them why I'm always coming in and changing processes because I have a very low self-esteem. So it's nothing is ever good enough for me there. There, you know, when I see something, the first thing I do is think it's gotta be a better way to do that. Or I can do something better with that. And, um, you know, when we first opened, just reading the reviews was, uh, you know, it was hard. You know, we, we, we had great success, but then you have your people who are born and raised on South Carolina barbecue and who didn't quite understand what we were doing and they couldn't process what we were doing to the meats and they couldn't appreciate it. And, um, you know, it kind of got me fired up there in the beginning. But um, so I'd say, tr- you know, trust the process, have a little more patience with the product. Um, keep pushing to make things better. Don't settle. Um, and one more thing, what would it be? Behind our success. And, and to, you kind of cut uh, out on the last one. What was it? You cut out just a little bit. Oh, just, just to keep things simple. Um, which is, which is one thing we did. And I, I think that's one of the secrets to our success. And, uh, I think if I had it to do all over again, to trust people more like, uh, my team and I would, uh, to, to be a better teacher, uh, in the beginning I wasn't, and I still am, I'm a control freak and there's a lot of things that I don't, you know, I don't have the patience for. I don't have the patience to, to teach you something more than once. And I think that's something that I, uh, I, I work on now. And I think if I had it to do all over again, I, I would have done that differently from day one. Man, dude, that was, that, that, those are some awesome tips. So Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you can tell, tell everyone in, in the internet where they can find you, where they can follow your journey. Sure, man. So, uh, Swig and Swine Barbecue, we're, we're in Charleston, South Carolina, four locations. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Swig Swine BBQ. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Swig and Swine Barbecue, or you can follow me personally on Facebook at Anthony DiBernardo. Man, dude, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on. I, ho- I hope to eat at your restaurant someday. Yeah, man. Thank you. Hopefully I'll make it to Chicago soon when it warms up. Oh, come on over when it's warm. Otherwise, it yeah. don't come. 
Believe me, yeah. don't come if it's cold. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.